It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I ask you to get your focus back on the right thing. Welcome in. We are live here on this Friday, a football Friday, if you will, and we've got a ton to do. Aaron Freeman, Locked On Falcons, is going to join us. We'll spend a lot of time today previewing Falcon Seahawks coming up as well. Uh, we certainly have some Braves news to get to. I have my college picks and my pro picks coming up before the end of the show to give out for you guys. And, of course, give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And a football Friday here on A to Z. And let's get right into it uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. And, and, oh, by the way, too, I do want to get into the Celtics and Ami Odoka and uh, the sort of finality of all that as it wrapped up. But, you know, it's interesting. I start looking more and more at this Falcons-Seahawks matchup here. And I start to look at, you know, how the game may break down, how it may play out and everything else. You know, the one thing um, that I thought we may be complaining about after two weeks more than anything, if I had to say the, you know, before the season started, what would two games in do you think you'd see be the biggest issue on the team? One of them would have been run the game, would have been the run game, that they just had no effectiveness in the run game because that's been so pervasive for this team for the last couple of years. And um, they've actually, you know, run the ball really well over the course of the first two games. Like, there's no reason to think that they haven't run the ball really well over the first two games. So I hope that continues. But the other thing I think most people would have said would have been, in general, the defense, right? The defense. How how is this team being able to stop other opponents? Because the defense and the run game were the two things that, you know, have been a little bit of a bugaboo. Well, the defense, it's funny because you look at the points they're, they're giving up, and they gave up 31 to the Rams and 27 to the Saints. So you do the math, right? That's 29 points per game. That's not going to cut it. That's going to be bad. But in reality, the defense has had good stretches, but they've also had bad stretches. Fourth quarter against the Saints, first half against the Rams. And, you know, this is a team that's given up around 380 yards per game to the opposing team. <clears throat> But part of me, part of me, can look at that and go, "Well, look at the opponents that they played." Now, again, this isn't the Saints with Drew Brees and and Sean Payton. It's the Saints with Dennis Allen and uh, and Jameis Winston. But still, it's also the Saints with Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, you know, uh, and, and a whole bunch of really talented players. And then, of course, is the defending Super Bowl champion Rams, who still have players all over the field and a high level quarterback in Matthew Stafford. So if anybody said in the first two games they'd give up 27 and 31, regardless of whether they win or lose, people would say, okay, I, yeah, I could see that. Now, what are we looking for this week and why the focus needs to go back on one thing? They have to be able to slow this Seahawks team and prevent them from scoring. Like, this is not a good offense. I don't care what you saw in week one. I, I really don't. Like, I don't care what, what – what, what, you, you you saw from Seattle in that game in Denver. 
That was clearly more of a spot thing. And, oh, by the way, they also were shut out in the second half of that game. So in the last six quarters of football, they put up exactly seven points. This is a Falcons defense that needs to have their best game of the year right now. That's not negotiable. If they don't leave Sunday with a stout defensive performance, let's go back to what we thought before the season. The defense is a problem, and it's not getting any better. And Dean Peace, for all of his bluster and all of his, you know, angry curmudgeonness, and that's not a word, but you get the point, for all of his, you know, get off my lawn and and we're going to change the culture around here. If you can't slow down Geno Smith and you can't prevent the Seahawks from scoring, let's just call it 20 points in this game, I don't know what to tell you. Because the question I'll have on Monday is, hey, coach, you know, I expect you to give up 31 to the Rams and 27 to the Saints. Why are you giving up 30 to the Seattle Seahawks and Geno Smith? Just unacceptable, right? Like, this is an offense that is good enough right now through three weeks, the Falcons offense, that is, to get to 24 points in this game. What's the reason to allow Seattle with Geno Smith to score 20? Rashad Penny's their leading rusher. He has 75 yards through two games. Tell me. Tell me what about Seattle's offense makes you go, okay, this is what they do well. Because they're only averaging 196 passing yards through two games and 56 rushing yards. This is the lowest yardage game team in the league right now. And if you can't put together a defensive performance to get this team, then the problem is there. Stop talking to me about Kyle Pitts. Stop talking to me about target share. Stop talking to me about the offense. Because guess what? The offense has played good. Did they get behind the chains uh, against the Rams? Sure. Did they need some special teams help to get back in it? Absolutely. I'm not saying any of those things aren't true. But still, the offense didn't play terrible. Still put up, you know, a, a good fight against the Rams. You would have liked to see them not turn the ball over three times. But this is a Falcons team that absolutely should be able to limit a Seahawks very, very low-level offense. I'm tired of hearing about Kyle Pitts and target share. I'm done. Like, I told you guys from the beginning of the year, I said it was derelict that they don't force feed them the ball. I've watched the first two games objectively. They're doing everything they can. And, and when you have a coach that is making Kyle Pitts the primary target on 50% of passing plays, Talk to the quarterback. Talk to the quarterback. It's not a play selection. It's not a it's not a not calling the guy's number issue. It's a quarterback who doesn't either know how to get the ball in a tight window or doesn't feel confident enough to get the ball in a tight window, or a guy who's checking off his first read when it's not 100% there. That's the reason for it. But by the way, keep feeding Drake London because let's not talk enough about how good he's been. Just a weird pivot a lot of times <laughs> with Falcons fans. It really is. But for me, this game is all about the Falcons' defense. Go out there and shut down an offense that stinks and can't score. Because if they give up more more than 20, I have a problem believing they can win this game. On the road in Seattle, at a place where, you know, all things considered, Seattle's defense isn't terrible. They've been banged up with injuries. But, you know, if you think the Falcons are going to get to 27 in a heartbeat, well... I don't know. 
I don't necessarily believe that they have an offense to at will continue to score 27 points a game, um, especially on the road where it's a lot tougher. And remember, the offense didn't score 27 last week, even that's how many points they put up there. The offense only found 20. Block punt for a touchdown. Looks like an offensive score, but it's not. So they have to do better offensively against a, a average defensive team on the road. But most importantly, they should be able to win this game 23 to 16. That should be the final. All right. Uh, Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons is going to join us here in a minute. But first, a word from our friends at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your sports betting needs. Uh, find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including the NFL, obviously, college football, Major League Baseball, winding down. NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all there. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered. But I'm going to have you covered here too on a football Friday. But I get my information from Bet Online as well. So there you go. Head to Bet Online today. Use your mobile device to learn more about all the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's welcome him in right now from Locked On. Falcons, it is our good buddy, Aaron Freeman, joining us here on A to Z. Aaron, happy Friday to you, brother, and thank you for being here. Appreciate you having me on, Mark. All right. Um, We have got uh, some interesting things to talk about. Let's get this out of the way because I still can't believe, you know, through Thursday we were complaining about Kyle Pitt's target share as it just drives me absolutely insane at this point. I'm sorry. Like, I'll call it out loud and I'll say what it is. I think a lot of my, my fellow media people in my line of work are just lazy. They have nothing else to talk about. They can't find it. Like, this is not a, this is not something that objectively is a problem through two weeks. And it's certainly not the reason you lost either one of your two games. That said, where do you sit on the situation with Kyle Pitts target share? And, uh, you know, uh, how confident are you? It will work itself out. Um, I'm pretty confident it'll work itself out. I, I'm in the similar camp as you. I think it's very overblown. Um, I do think they could do a better job getting him the ball in the red zone. And if he was you know, catching I'm, touchdowns, I'm sorry to cut you off, but that is the one area I did say, I did say that uh, on A to Z this whole week. I'm like in the red zone is the only area I'll take complaints about not getting him the ball because there is just, Hey man, do a little thing in the corner and throw the ball up and let him go get it. So I, I agree wholeheartedly. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I, you know, wanted to emphasize that point again. Yeah. And, and, that's basically it. It's just like, I, I feel like there's been some opportunities for him in the red zone. I don't feel like Mariota's done a great job getting him the ball in those situations. Obviously, you know, in football, the ball bounces a certain way. You you move this way, the read comes off. So it, it's never going to be perfect. But you, you, I do think when the Falcons get down inside the 20, that's really the opportunity where you, you think Kyle Pitts is going to shine and he has yet to do that. And if they can get him those red zone opportunities and get a couple of touchdowns, then I don't think anybody's complaining about him only having three or four catches in a game or seven or or five targets in a game. I just think ultimately it's just like, hey, he's making a difference where it matters in the red zone. That's where an area of where the Falcons have struggled historically. They've struggled to get the ball to their biggest playmakers in that area. And if Kyle Pitts is scoring in the red zone, literally all this conversation and frustration goes away. Yeah. And, and to that end, you know, I would actually side with Mariota, even though, again, I, I generally think he's inaccurate, comparatively speaking, to most of his peers across the NFL. The 32 starters, he may be in the bottom five in accuracy percentage, you know, uh, from what we've seen 
Uh, and I would tell him, if I'm Arthur Smith, if it's not there, just check off and go to somebody else, especially if Drake London is wide open like he's been all year long. Get the ball to the open guy. Like you're, That's okay for a quarterback to do. Yeah. Um, all that said, I would tell him in the red zone, dude, nobody else. This is going to Kyle. Just chuck it up there. Let Kyle go make a play. Like, end of conversation. Marcus, I don't want you to look off. I just want you to throw the ball to a spot where he can go get it. Go be an NFL quarterback and do it. Like, that, I again, I'm 100% okay with. Um, and I, I believe that, like you said, if he had had two touchdowns in each of the first two games, no one really is looking at – they're looking at through this through a much different lens. But that said, again, um, he's still having a po- net positive effect on the offense. Drake London is the benefactor of that. And while – you know, I've heard people go, well, you look at Buffalo. They have more than two guys. You look at Miami. They're throwing the ball to two guys. The Falcons don't have, one, an offensive line that can protect, two, a consistent enough running game where play action is going, and three, you know, the teams right now are just saying don't let eight beat us. So they will make sure eight doesn't get the ball in favor of somebody else. That's not the case when you have – Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle because if you double one, then the other guy's going to get all of them. So, you know, team, this isn't an offense enough yet that is accomplished for you to be complaining that they don't have two high level targets like some of these other teams in the league do. Like, it's just, again, I just think it's lazy and it, you know, people are not really paying attention to what they're watching, but that's a whole different conversation. All right. Um, on to the running game. We get Cordero Patterson. 22 carries in the first game. Some of the product of the low carries in the second game was the score and everything else, but um, I'm okay with them feeding him the rock as much as possible. Like I said, I don't need to see Damian Williams or Tyler Algier yet. I would squeeze as much juice out of the Cordero Patterson lemon as possible and run him into the ground because he's going to be hurt by week eight anyway. Uh, I, I heard you talk about, you know, not using Algier last week and I, I was initially surprised. And then I listened to what you were saying and I like, I understood what you were trying to put out there, but, uh, you know, I, I think they will try to save Cordero Patterson as much as possible, uh, this season, but I understand your perspective of, Hey, just, you know, get the most out of him at this point in time. Um, but I, I do think Algier did some good work in limited action, uh, against, the Rams, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with an expanded role because as you and I have talked many, many times over the last several months, you know, this year is really about how many boxes can you check and do you have a young, talented running back um, that, you know, you can make a a key part of your offense. Again, you're not going to necessarily build your offense around him like Arthur Smith did with Derrick Henry, uh, but uh, certainly a guy that I think can be a a contributor and probably uh, a high-level contributor in the committee system. And obviously, we know what Cordero Patterson is. He's your playmaker. Get the ball in his hands and let him cook. Um, But, uh, yeah, I I do – I'm intrigued by sort of seeing how that balance plays out over the rest of the season. Um, Let's flip the script here because I was saying at the top of the show uh, this game for me is only about one thing, and that's the defense. Um, you know, all things considered, the defense had some good stretches, but it's had some bad stretches. And for Dean Peace and all of his shouting at the rain about, you know, we're changing the culture and everything else. I mean, the bottom line is here is that if you can't keep this Seahawks team to under 20, let's go back to what we thought the biggest problems were at the beginning of the season before they played a game. We would have said the defense, the run game and the defense were probably the two things. If we were 0-2 said, well, we didn't run the ball well and our defense gave up a ton of points. The defense didn't necessarily give up a ton of points in the first two games, even though again, they did. Um, They're giving up close to 400 yards per game, but just show me you can beat an inferior offensive team 
defensively. Like that's what I want to see more than anything this week. It should be one of their most dominant defensive performances of the year on Sunday, despite the fact that it's on the road and it's in Seattle. I would agree with that. Um, I, I think the way that they play defense, they're going to play a bend but don't break style of defense. Um, and against higher powered offenses like the Saints and like the Rams, you know, they're going to do a lot of bending and hopefully they can get the stops in the red zone and on third downs uh, that can sort of lead to them not breaking. They weren't able to get enough of those in those first two games, but it's understandable given who the other teams have across the field. I'm very curious to see if they do a lot of bending against the Seattle team and then, you know, are getting those stops in the red zone and on third downs, or if they can shut down this offense, as I think you're putting forward, um, you know, you want to see them shut down this offense. You want to see the Seahawks continue to struggle to function and move the ball and get points and all those various things they have yet to convert in the red zone. So I, I hope the streak does not end this week against the Falcons. Uh, but yeah, I do think the defense certainly is under the crosshairs this week to see if they can uh, step up and, and shut down this offense. Like I said, seven points over the last six quarters of football for this off. And I, I part of, you know me, I'm like a little bit twisted. Part of me wants them to give up like 27. So I can go into Arthur Smith's press conference on Monday and just be like, were you surprised your defense gave up that many points to an offense led by Geno Smith? Because then we just say, oh, yeah, you know, that's a good team. Over. That's a good quarterback. And Geno Smith would be like the worst quarterback in the league six weeks later. And I'm going to go, yeah, remember that? Remember when he said that? Yeah, liar, liar. But you know me. I, I Some of this is for my own entertainment. So I get it. <laughs> it's neither here nor there. Uh, go back to the red zone real quick. That's another area where, you know, it's starting to – I don't know if it's a problem yet. And forget the numbers for a second. Um, but yeah, again, go back to like the saints game. Um, you know, you have a field goal. Yeah. You have three field goals in the first half and they weren't necessarily, you know, or the fourth quarter, I should say, you know, they, they had that 27 yard field goal where they got stopped there. It's those kind of mistakes, as I've said repeatedly about taking three instead of seven is going to hurt this team because they don't have a lot of margin for error. Like that's another area this week. Man, just convert your red zone opportunities into touchdowns. You can't – if you set up for field goals against a bad offensive team and let them hang around, something bad is bound to happen. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think those – the red zone's really the the main area where I want to see this team improve, right? They're, like, I think tied for, like, 30th in red zone defense. Um, I don't know exactly where they rank in red zone offense, but it's it's in the lower half of the league, and it does feel like – a couple of stops in the red zone and or a couple of uh, conversions in the red zone, obviously with these close games, you know, we, we could be sitting here talking about how incredible the, the Falcons are, you know, you know, going two and oh in this situation, obviously could have, would have, should have, but uh, you know, I, I do feel like that's an area where, you know, Arthur Smith was known uh, in Tennessee to have one of the best red zone offenses in the league. Uh, I think a lot of that was probably Derrick Henry, but, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see if they can figure out a way to make it work. They do have, as we've pointed out, you know, you have Kyle Pitts, you have Drake London, you have Cordero Patterson and Tyler Algier. You should be able to get a little bit better in the red zone moving forward. And when you look at the defense, you know, a lot of it seems to just basically be A.J. Terrell giving up touchdowns. And you feel like that sort of scenario is going to flip in their favor where he's going to start shutting that stuff down and, and things will work out. So I do feel like they're poised to get better in the red zone. We just got to see if it uh, manifests on Sunday. Yeah, that AJ Terrell thing is a little perplexing. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I don't think he got bad overnight, but he's looked bad 
in certain spots this season so far. And I don't know if it's because maybe, you know, offensive folks have, have looked at something on tape and have found a hole in his game somewhere, uh, or it just was a bad week one and a, an average week two. But uh, I, I, I'm fingers crossed that's not going to continue. But, I mean, level of concern on A.J. Terrell? Uh, on a 10-point scale, it's probably at like a four or five right now. That's um, fair. You know, if he has another he bad has another week in Seattle. This week, are, we, are we in the seven, eight range? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like each, each week it goes up maybe like two points or something like that. So we're about two weeks away from Amari Cooper cooking him and being at an eight or nine or something like that. So um, I, I'm not panicking at this point in time, but we'll see. Cooper had a good, had a good game last night, Amari Cooper. He, he did. He looks he a little did. bit reinvigorated in Cleveland, which nobody's ever reinvigorated. In <laughs> no one's ever said that. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I went to Cleveland and got reinvigorated. Uh, all right. We're sitting here. Uh, uh, Sunday at, uh, at, at 7 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. What uh, What is your feeling going to be about the Falcons and Seahawks and the Falcons in general at this point? I, I feel reasonably confident that they'll they'll win this game. I You know, it, it's not they a have to, I right? Like, very point, often. I mean, in reality, Arthur Smith has to know in the back of his head, if you don't win this week, you're probably staring 0-7 in the face. I mean, like, like yeah. not that one and six is any better, but at least winning a game against an inferior, you could argue all those teams were better and you could turn around and go, hey, in the second half when we play a weaker part of the schedule, we'll be better for it. You know, we'll be more equipped to beat some of those weaker teams. But if you lose this game this week, it's like, and again, no one's saying you're tanking and, and fans will be like, fine, draft pick, draft pick, draft pick after three weeks. But, you know, you can't sit here and sell me on, hey, we're not in a rebuild. Hey, we're not, you know, going to tank. Hey, we're not going to do it. And, and lose a game like this. Like, it just, it, it, none, none of that all adds up to me. Yeah. I, I think they'll walk away with a win. It'll probably be a low-scoring game, something like 20 to 16. But, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with that. you. I, I feel like all the things that Arthur Smith has said over the last couple of weeks about what they're building and doing all this, it kind of has to all come together this week to at least get you a W. It doesn't have to be the prettiest win. You just kind of have to walk away with a W on Sunday. And then so I, I feel like that should happen. Obviously, things going the Falcons' way is, is not necessarily – backed up by history so we'll see how it plays out but i do think they'll, they should walk out of seattle with a win he's aaron freeman check him out locked on falcons get all the post-game reaction right there right here on locked on sports Atlanta, locked on falcons thanks for the time buddy enjoy the rest of your friday have a great weekend and uh let's get a win on sunday absolutely all right aaron freeman of locked on falcons a uh, quick word from our friends here before we wrap up on coffee am best small batch coffee roaster in america why because the coffee is Made right here in Georgia. And not only that, it's roasted and shipped on the same day or very close to it. That's why it's so fresh and so tasty. And you get flavors from all around the world. Kenya, Sumatra, Costa Rica, Tanzania, Colombia, wherever. I mean, wherever they're making coffee, guys, Coffee AM has the best. Organic, fair trade, direct trade, expertly crafted blends, espressos, flavored coffees, teas, everything. Check out the entire menu at coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Use the coupon code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your first order of coffees, teas, and gift sets at coffeeam.com, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. All right, a um, couple of quick notes here before I give you my plays for uh, college and pro uh, for this Coming weekend. One, the Ime Udoka suspension is official now. Uh, it is a year-long suspension. And um, 
we find out now that what they thought was, and this goes back to July, apparently, that he was they, the, the organization knew about this um, about this relationship. They thought it was consensual. Now they're saying, you know, they found out that it turned into something that was, you know, not consensual, if that's the way to phrase it. Um, anyway, he gets suspended for a year. I, I still think he's coached last game for the Celtics period. After being out a year, I have a hard time, especially if the, the, the interim coach comes in and it plays really well and it just feels better and it feels different. Guess what? You know, you're 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 absolutely going to stick with with what works. So, yeah, um, just a very strange situation. But, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and sit in judgment of Amiyaduka other than you made a bad decision um, because you decided to crap where you eat and that that never works out well. You want to cheat on your wife? Fine. Don't do it with somebody you work with because uh, that hurts you in two places, your home and your job. So doubly as bad. Also, Braves lose last night to the Philadelphia Phillies, one nothing. Only had six hits, went over six at runners in scoring position. Uh, Philly also didn't hit the ball well. It's just one of those crazy baseball games where uh, you don't score a lot of runs and nobody scores a lot of runs. So now the problem is they're a game and a half back and they face Aaron Nola tonight and their worst starters on the mound in Jay Gordarizzi. So yikes. The Mets are in uh, Oakland to take on the A's and the A's stink. So. Uh, you don't want to fall two and a half back because then you only have five games to make up to get yourself within a game, which is tough. Um, even though the Mets will have another off day, so they have a chance to gain, to gain a uh, a half game. But regardless, yeah, it uh, it was it wasn't pretty last night. So they get they got to bounce back. Uh, and you know, as we get close to the playoffs, you know, Matt Olson needs to to pick things up. I mean, he is the guy, in my opinion, that is going to make the rest of this lineup go. You want to talk about the idea of protection? Yeah, protection for Austin Riley is huge. It really, really is, because the trickle-down effect is is amazing. It, because Austin Riley, then whoever's batting next, whether it's uh, uh, Darno or, or whoever you're going to put after him, it, it just changes the dynamic of the entire lineup. So Olsen has got to get going before the, uh, before the playoffs get going. So uh, more on the Braves, obviously, coming up. We'll see how the weekend goes when we'll come back on Monday and where the, where the Braves are. All right, uh, final thoughts here in games that we're going to go to. Okay, a couple of plays here on the college side of things. Uh, I'll start my best bet of the week, and that is the Michigan Wolverines. You know, I, I got this number at 16 and a half, and it's probably back up at 17, but Michigan minus 17 over the University of Maryland. Maryland is off to a very great start. Uh, Tua's little brother, Talia Tagovailoa, is the quarterback for Maryland. Uh, the offense looks really good. However, this is a Maryland team that has struggled against the best defenses within their conference in the Big Ten. Oh, by the way, Michigan has the best defense in the Big Ten or second best behind Iowa, one or the other. But it's a really good defense. And uh, this is going to be a spot here where Michigan's just going to overpower the Maryland Terrapins. So uh, give me Michigan minus 17 or my, minus 16 and a half is what I got it at. But I think there are 17s out there. If you find a 16 and a half, absolutely jump on it. All that said as well, uh, I am going to go – in the SEC, Tennessee, Florida, uh, the Volunteers laying 10 and a half. This is a huge number for them to be laying. I mean, sure, they ripped up on Akron. Sure, they absolutely won their opening game against the uh, Sisters of the Poor and scored 55 points. But when they went to face Pittsburgh, uh, they only scored 27 in regulation, 34 total in the game. And, oh, by the way, uh, for as good as Hendon Hooker is, 
he didn't play all that well against Pitt. What are you doing now in a Power 5 team? I, I know that Florida looks bad, uh, and they lose to Kentucky, and they struggled against South Florida, but guess what? Billy Napier still will have this team ready to play. It'll be a very physical game for Florida. Anthony Richardson hasn't thrown a touchdown pass. A lot of people are focusing on that. Is he that good that his Heisman odds should have plummeted to like top three after one week? No. But is he this bad? No, he's not. He's somewhere in between. But this is just way too many points to be laying, especially when Florida has uh, won straight up 16 in the last 17 against Tennessee. Way, way too many points uh, to be to be laying here. So we're going to take Florida uh, getting 10 and a half. Uh, I'll give you one more that I like within the SEC here uh, that's really interesting. And this is one of these games where uh, I, I looked at the game and, and at the beginning of the week on Sunday, and then by the time I had really done all my research and everything, I had a completely different opinion on it. That's Ole Miss in Tulsa. Now, the total for this game was set at 62 initially. Both these teams averaged about 45 points a game, and I thought the total was way low. By the time I had really kind of finished all my research on Thursday, um, the total was at 66. So for a game I thought easily was going to go over, uh, not so much anymore. I'll probably stay away from the total. But the fact that Ole Miss is laying 21 and a half to the best passing offense in the country with Davis Brim and the Tulsa Golden Hurricanes, um, way too many points. You get 21 and a half over three touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, I think Tulsa can keep this one close, uh, closer than 21. Sure, they can win by 17. They can win by 14. Still looks like a blowout, but the back door is always going to be open uh, with an offense like Tulsa's that can throw the ball really well. So those are some three college picks that I got for you. On the NFL side, guys, it is a, it's a tough week to figure out. It really, really is. I'll tell you what. The games I know I like the best. Green Bay uh, getting a point and a half. Check the line. It is moving all over the place. I saw some pickums out there yesterday. Uh, but Green Bay plus one and a half against Tampa Bay. Green Bay is just a better team right now. And Tampa Bay is so banged up offensively, they've scored two touchdowns on the year. Two. That's it. Two offensive touchdowns. So you give me a better uh, scoring offense at this point, uh, a better run game, and a better defense overall, even though Tampa's got a really good run defense with Green Bay. I'll take the points there. Um, I hate this game, but everything about me numerically is telling me to back the Buffalo Bills and lay the five and a half on the road within the division. Buffalo is the number one team in the league. At yards per play allowed, this is a very important metric when it comes to handicapping and what odds makers do. Miami has given up more yards per play than any team in the league. Granted, it's only through two weeks. You know, Buffalo is a team, honestly, that is scoring 30 every time out. And that may be the way to play this thing. Just take Buffalo's team total over 30 uh, because they're going to get to 31 against the Dolphins defense. Here's the thing about Miami. Through the first seven quarters of football this year, they scored 28 points. That's it. Four offensive touchdowns through seven quarters. Yeah, they scored like 30 points in the fourth quarter against the Ravens, but I can't ignore the first seven in favor of the last one where they had two, two touchdowns that were 60 yards or more. Like those aren't common. You don't get those every single week. So uh, I, I think in general, there'll be a little bit of regression on Miami's offense in this spot here. But Buffalo looks like the best team in the league by a wide margin. Uh, they're an incredible juggernaut offensively right now. They have some injuries, too, in their secondary. Could be a little bit disconcerting, but everything numerically in the numbers that you look up there, everything favors Buffalo. I hate laying points on the road within the division. I hate this number even more at five, five and a half, because it's a dead number. Um, I'd almost rather it be six and a half, because at least they're saying they can win by a touchdown. Um, but I'm going to roll the dice and back Buffalo here. It's going to be a very public bet, and it's going to be gross and disgusting, and I'm going to hate myself for it. 
but it'll be a very small play uh, on backing Buffalo. I'm not going to be mad if it doesn't go my way, but I'll be more mad if I don't back Buffalo, knowing what I've seen from them in the first two weeks and where they are statistically and go, okay, yeah, I'm not. But I, again, I think that team total is more of a viable play if you don't want to play the number. Um, so there's that. And then guys, listen, I'll take the Falcons this week to win outright. I take them on the money line. If they don't do it, I'm going to be very, very surprised. It's going, it, it will set off a lot of alarms within Flowery Branch if they can't get a win this week. I, I genuinely believe that. It's going to make things appear a lot worse. It's not about being competitive in this game enough. That's really, you know, for me, the biggest thing. I, th- I think that they, they have to be a team this week that can show you they can close out and finish a game and win it, particularly defensively, as we said, all show long. So let's roll with the Falcons here on the money line. They're getting two points or two and a half points in certain spots. Look around, shop around, see what number you can get. But uh, I would back the Falcons here uh, on a money line play. So there you go. There you have it. Those are the picks for the week. Jetpack Friday show, guys. Flies right by. We didn't even do shovels of wisdom. Huh, that's okay. I'll give myself one for, uh, for not remembering to do my own segment. There it is. Yeah, see, it, the, the shovel didn't even want to work. All right. Well, that does it for us today here on this Friday. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Hit me up on Twitter at Mark Zeno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Make sure you're following Locked On ATL. And I forgot to mention we're on Roku TV. Fire stick. Roku TV. Check out Locked On Sports Atlanta on Roku TV every single day. Have a wonderful Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. Back on Monday. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.